0: I mentioned that the female swimsuit was black. Well, as it turns out, a former shipmate of mine listens to my podcast and told me that the um, swimsuits for the females was actually blue and that the swimsuits were as horrible as I said they were. So thank you very much for uh, listening and commenting. I appreciate it. And uh, now on to episode six. And not only that, I don't know if it was worse when you were having to move the M1 or the, the gun from your right shoulder to the left shoulder and you couldn't move your head. Gonzo, The Coast Guard years, Boot Camp, Episode 6, Inspections and in Poodle So inspections are a normal thing in Coast Guard boot camp. Your first inspection is pretty much a total fucking disaster. I honestly think it's just an excuse for your company commander to kick your ass. I also think that most company commanders are sadists. Otherwise, why would you do this job? I think it was within our first week after picking up our company commander, so that would be sometime in like week two of Coast Guard boot camp. We had gotten our morning ass-kicking cleaned up the squad bay, and we headed off to breakfast. This was pretty much our morning routine. I think routine is something that they try to instill into you in boot camp as sort of just a normal sort of course of, well, boot camp stuff. However, this particular day was a little different. You see, sometimes I think Coast Guard company commanders like to just fuck up that routine for some particularly sadistic thing they like doing. I, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's a reason for it. So we had gotten back to the squad bay from breakfast and, you know, we're kind of like going about our business, you know, getting ready to figure out what was going to be happening next. And we noticed that there were mattresses on the floor. There were boots or boondockers or boondocks, as they called them, thrown all over the damn place. Now, the further you go back into the squad bay was where most of the damage was at. There were mattresses on the floor. And like, like I said, boondockers kicked around the place. And I think there were laundry bags thrown on the floor or deck. They called them decks. This just happened to be right about the location of my rack. Fortunately, though, it wasn't mine, but it, the guy next to me was the one that was having the problem. And I'm pretty sure he was not feeling it. So anyway, tossed racks, tossed racks, tossed racks. That sounds like something you would hear in prison, tossed racks. Anyway, so not long after we were kind of gawking around and trying to straighten up the mess that someone made for us, somebody yelled, attention on Dirk! We immediately jumped to attention. We're standing there. Company commander is screaming at us, walking through the squad bay, telling us that we are a hot mess and that we are dirty and filthy and all that kind of really fun stuff. Honestly, I don't know what he was talking about. Clearly, the guy didn't have any teenagers at home because, well, look, we were all teenagers, or most of us were. And our parents, I'm sure, would have loved if we had kept our rooms as clean as we kept this squad bay. So I don't know what the fuck he was talking about. We were anything but pigs. So as you can imagine, the tension in the squad bay was a little bit high, and it was only a matter of time before the chief bosun mate hoe was going to crank us. We knew it was coming, and then, and the next thing you know, he's yelling, "Get down!" and bam. We're on the floor in push-up position. So you didn't do anything until he actually ordered you to do so. So we just laid there or stood there or whatever it was in the push-up position. We did what we always do in Coast Guard. We waited. We waited while he yelled at us. while he told us about the virtues of keeping the place spotless telling us about disease and the effects of gear adrift and all that kind of cool stuff. Not only was the main area in the squad bay inspected, but so was the head, or the bathroom for all of you who may have forgotten. A company commander would look in every little corner and crevice in the head, the outside and inside of a toilet, behind it, and the same with the showers as well this dude would walk into the shower in his shoes, rub his hand on the walls looking for like dirt or that white film you get when you don't clean off or wash off the cleaning products really well. I mean, if there was anything he spotted, there was going to be another ass beating in the making. So after the first inspection, and the cranking that you got afterward, you learned all the nice little tricks about keeping the place spotless. Which isn't to say they didn't find anything wrong with the squad bay. They always found something wrong. They nitpicked about everything. though. So there was a limit, though, to um, the number of gigs or things wrong or whatever with the squad bay. If you got under this threshold, you were spared an ass whooping. I don't remember what the threshold was. I feel like it was two or three that once you got to three, the, the ass kicking started, or maybe it was four. I don't remember. Anyway, it happened all the time. Um, so anyway, he yells for us to begin. We all start counting, serve on serve, and all that mess. You know, I had heard stories in boot camp. I mean, you always hear stories in boot camp. Most of them were just that, stories. This one, this one was, well, strange. I never knew if it was true. But if the rumor was true, that would have been golden. You see, we were told that the company commander wasn't allowed to make you do more than 20 push-ups consecutively. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Ghosties are a bunch of wimps not doing more than 20 push-ups. But you would be wrong. As a matter of fact, I think you're way wrong. It's my podcast, so I can say you're wrong. But seriously, you might think a little differently in just a moment. So, I don't actually remember doing any more than 20 push-ups at one time. Oh, but that son of a bitch of a company commander, if the story was true, he'd actually gotten around the 20 push-up limit. There was like a major fucking loophole. He'd yell for us to get up and then get the fuck back down. And we start all over again. Count to 20. And for the fun, he'd tell us to get back up again, run in place, wiggle our damn fingers, and then back down again. Then make us go halfway down and hold it. Can you yeah, think about this? You're in the push-up position and then lower yourself halfway. So you're, you're almost to the floor, but you're not quite to the floor and just fucking hold it. We would go through this routine four or five times, sometimes more, in the span of a few minutes. I mean, this might just be a horrible calculation on my part, but it was like we did a zillion push-ups in just a few minutes. I mean, it it felt like forever at the time, but I'm sure it was just a few minutes. So, after all of this scrambling around to our feet and throwing ourselves to the floor multiple times it became clear to all of us we were creating more work for ourselves. You see, when you spend a lot of your free time polishing your shoes, well, you always had fresh black shoe polish on your shoes. And this stuff came off real easy. So we were left with a shit ton of black scuff marks everywhere. It was like someone had flattened, you know, the 101 Dalmatians on the squad bay floor. So the floor was a fucking hot mess. And if you can imagine how much floor cleaning we were going to have to do later on that day. This meant there was going to be a group of us on the floor with wet rags and the stuff we call Neverdoll. I mean, Neverdoll is a brand, but it's the stuff that you use to like polish, you know, Shiny stuff like we polished our brass belt buckles I don't even think they have brass belt buckles anymore in the Coast Guard maybe they do but I don't think they do but we we used the we used the the, the on the floor we also used it to clean like scuff marks on your shoes you couldn't get off and your belt buckles you use it for everything it was great stuff you can still buy neverdoll today in addition to squad bay inspections, you also had personnel inspections. This is when our company commander would inspect our uniforms, hygiene, and basic Coast Guard knowledge. Now, when you get to boot camp, they give you the Coast Guard Boot Camp Handbook, or maybe it was just the Coast Guard Handbook in general. I think it was called the Helmsman, but one of the most important things to know in that book was your general orders. I think there were There used to be 10, but I understand that there's 11 now, or maybe there's always 11. I just never knew there's 11 and never had to worry about all 11. I mean, if I had to know 11, I was fucked. So anyway, during personal inspections, you can look forward to the, the level of scrutiny that you usually get by like your girlfriend's parents, or if you're a female, you're boyfriend coming home and having to talk to your dad i can only imagine how crazy that was i mean it happened to me but okay look dads are hard asses when it comes to their daughters i mean i don't blame them dudes can be such fuckheads i mean i'd never let my sister date a guy i knew in the coast guard well maybe one guy Nah, 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 because I got a story about him and I would, fuck that. Anyway, I'll tell you about that dude later. His name's going to be a little different, but um, he and I were roommates in a town called Haverhill in Massachusetts. No worries. I'll get there in due time. So as a company commander would walk up and down to each one of us during a personnel inspection and depending on his mood or perhaps how he felt about you as a recruit, things could go well or really fucking bad. Usually if your uniform was squared away, then usually most everything else fell on the line, except if you were asked to recite a general order. And if you didn't know one of them, you were asked... A different thing, like who the officer of the day was or the training duty officer of the day was. You had to know that stuff. And if you got that wrong, usually that meant you were basically handing the guy the axe that he was going to use to cut off your head. I mean, you had to know this stuff or you were just asking for a whooping. I mean, also, at this point, when if you started screwing up, it didn't take long for him or her, your company commander to ask you for a demerit slip. And then they would start to pile up. Before you know it, this guy was making you feel like dirt, like you were a total shitbag. Although, I think he never actually used the term shitbag. I think he used the term dirtbag or something like that. I don't know, something a little less um, derogatory. So, assuming you didn't end up in the push-up position, you should consider yourself lucky. Unless the next couple of recruits after you did poorly. I mean, that, that usually didn't end well for anybody. The funny thing is, I only got called in once for personnel inspection. I think that was like around week four or five. And only after I had lost my mind and had said something that I shouldn't have said to my company commander. But I did. I got my ass whooped for it. It was a horrible, horrible, hot mess. So during boot camp, you were also taught the manual of arms, or at least there was an attempt to teach it to you. We didn't do a whole lot of manual at arms, at least not, you know, doing parades and stuff like that. Um, at least not in October, because apparently the weather was so bad, we had limited exposure to the manual of arms. But believe me, The exposure we did have was less than fun, and they tried to teach it to you, and if you didn't catch on really quick, everybody paid a heavy price. As a matter of fact, if one person fucked up, usually everyone got in trouble. So in the first few weeks of boot camp, our company, Victor 126, went someplace, and they gave you an old M1 Garand thirty caliber rifle. I mean, it didn't actually work, but for you gun historians out there, you know that the M one was the standard US service rifle during World War I and I believe World War Correction Korean War. This rifle is only about nine and a half pounds or so, which doesn't seem so bad at first, but when you get cranked with it, all of a sudden this thing is weighing a ton. I mean it's it was awful. I mean, getting cranked with an M1. And that just sounded kind of dirty just now that I'm saying that out loud. So the manual of arms has been around, well, for like forever. And if by ever, I mean forever, that is. It's been around at least since the Revolutionary War, if not before. I mean, it's been around a long time. The gist basically was that you needed to learn how to, if you were a soldier, to maneuver your rifle. While in formation, because you had to do things like move into position to shoot the enemy. And while all this is happening, you had to load your gun. And there was like a long procedure on how to load guns back then because they were, you know, uh, manually loaded, like flintlock guns and stuff like that, you know, with a a ball and cap sort of thing. So it wasn't like you, you just dropped out a clip or a magazine. You jammed one back into it. So anyway. People with your weapon, and everyone could fire all at the same time. So, anyway, you get the point. It was, you, 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 you did it because it needed to be done. So, we were all lined up in formation after we got our M1s. Most of the time, when we marched around, you marched around with the M1 on your right shoulder. And normally, you got there, somebody would say, right shoulder, hum! something like that. So, That was all well and good. You know, you didn't sway the gun back and forth looking like, you know, Deputy Dog or something like that. The trick, though, is when you were standing at attention, they would make you move the gun from your right shoulder to your left shoulder. You do this thing called port arms, present arms, and some other stuff. All these maneuvers, though, require you to move this M1 around with as little motion as possible, mostly with your head and all the motions, 60 ish some people, it all had to happen at the same time. So, listening and doing the maneuver exactly when you were told to do it was critical. There were times where you would, you know, hit the butt of the gun on the ground, and if our company commander didn't hear one solid slap or tap of the butt of the gun the stock of the gun or whatever it was on the ground there was hell to pay and not only that i don't know if it was worse when you were having to move the m1 or the the gun from your right shoulder to the left shoulder and you couldn't move your head so If you didn't push the the gun out far enough and then you were dropping it onto your left shoulder, if you didn't do all that sort of right, you know, it was far enough away and out and all this kind of stuff, this M1 rifle would clock you along the side of the head. Now, you weren't allowed to move your head. I don't know what was worse. Getting cranked because you moved your head or taking a whack across the head and giving yourself a concussion. I mean... Generally speaking, I think the entire company would rather you get a concussion than to move your head and everyone's gonna have to continue to sit there and get cranked because you weren't doing the the, the maneuver executing maneuver right anyway, it happened a lot I mean it was it wasn't it wasn't fun now when you get cranked with the with the m1 rifle or or just whatever when, when we were doing the manual of arms, if you were having to do push-ups, you were never allowed to let the M1 actually hit the ground. No. So what do you do with it? Well, when you're throwing your ass to the ground, you had to make sure that the M1 was across your knuckles. You had to learn to do this really fast. You learn to do it in one fluid motion. So as you're going to the ground... You have the M1 in both hands. You would like flip it up and it would like land on your knuckles as your hands were hitting the ground. I mean, I used to grab it with both hands. You flip it up like it's a, like it's an, um, like, a, like you're a ninja or something. It's like a flip and roll sort of thing. I mean, that worked for me. I mean, it probably wasn't the smartest thing to do, but that's what you had to do. And you did this usually when you were outside on the, the cement sidewalk around the parade field. I mean, it was like a, basically a giant high school track or a college track. But instead of having that nice smooth surface like, like you run on, it was all concrete. So you spent most of your time getting cranked on concrete, which really wasn't fun at all. So you usually ended up with uh, a couple of knots in your head when you were doing manual of arms training and busted up knuckles from your M1 rifle hitting you on the knuckles as you were getting cranked during this whole mess. I mean, we got cranked pretty regularly with the M1, but there was one epic beating out by the boats, the, the sand trap actually. Um, so in episode one, I talked about these boats that were to the left from where I was standing, um, when I was outside of Monroe hall, it's these boats that I'm talking about. I seem to recall that it was not too far after a squad bay inspection. Um, or maybe it was something we, we did stupid, uh, while we were outside marching or something we did, whatever, we did something stupid. I do know that we were given ample warning about what was going to happen to us. We were told to put on our Coast Guard sweats, get our M1 rifles, and go out to that very sand pit right by those boats. So we marched out to the sand pits. I say sand pits, but some people might call it a sandbox. But if it was a sandbox, it wasn't like the fun sandboxes you get like at elementary school or the parks. As a matter of fact, sandboxes are so bad for you. I think they actually took them out of schools for a bunch of reasons, you know. But essentially, there's probably were very unsanitary. But no, they made us go in these fucking sandboxes. So we might have been like in three or four or five rows. I don't I, I remember. I just know there are people in front of me. There are people behind me as we're all lined up in this big, huge sand pit with our M1 rifles. This was going to be uh, just an ass beating of epic proportions. It's so bad that there are specific images that I have in my head that happened to this day because of that ass beating. So what are the things that you learned to do with an M1 while you're getting cranked? in the sand pit, you get to learn this really cool thing called pootajacks. Pootajacks is sort of like jumping jacks, but you incorporate the M1 in the movements. Now, it's like a sadistic form of calisthenics. You have the M1 in both hands, you know, one hand near like the uh, holding the, uh, the stock and the other one up, you know, near the, the, the barrel. And you're holding this thing. And oh, by the way, I don't know what pootajack Jack stands for. I, I just heard the term in in boot camp, so I have no idea what it's called or what it mean. But you would hold this thing like near your like near your chest, and then before you know it, the company commander is giving you some sort of cadence. So one part of it's the Poot the not the Pooted Jack the the M1 goes up over your head. You spread your legs. He says something else. You pull it back down to your chest. You you bring your legs together. You push the M1 out in front of you and you hold it there. And then you do it all over again. Up, down, out, in, up, down, out, in. You know, you get the idea. And at some point during all of that, when you push it out, Then he makes you do a body squat so your thighs are parallel to the ground. Again, this is normally what they call shit on your CC position. And you hold this M1 rifle out in front of you while you're doing a body squat. And you kind of, you know, sit there and wait. And then right about the point where he thinks everyone's about to collapse, which is really a lot longer than you would expect. It makes you stand up and then you're running in place with this thing over your head. And it's, it, it's, it's a a terrible feeling because he's yelling at you to get your knees up and you're in a sand pit. So it's really hard to move your feet anyway, but it's okay. So you're doing putter jacks, you know, up, down with the, with the M1 rifle, the shit on your CC position, then this sadistic man tells you to get into push-up position. So then you're in the push-up position, you're flipping up this M1 rifle onto your knuckles, and now you're doing push-ups in the sand. Look, I don't know about you guys, but it's really fucking hard to do push-ups in the sand with a gun on your knuckles. Now, at some point during this ass beating, people are starting to get pretty exhausted. They're, they're getting really sloppy with their movements. I mean, you've got other people's guns crowding your space. I'm like, get the fuck away from me. Don't crowd me because I, I, this is my space. And I don't need you getting next to me and throwing more sand in my face. I mean, I had more sand kicked at me than I can remember. It was ridiculous. I, it was just, the beating was horrible. And to to make matters worse, like people were making this like it was out of like some surreal movie experience. So at one point, and this is the thing I was talking about earlier, the vision that I have in my head was it's not too long before this ass beating is going to end. But we, we didn't know that. So we've been, you know, out there for, I don't know, it felt like an hour. Maybe it wasn't quite an hour, but it was a long time. We're holding up these M1 rifles and people are starting to like, you know, lower them because they can't hold them up any longer. And our company commander is screaming at us that people need to get it up there. We're going to be out there all night and blah, 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 blah. I clearly remember like there was somebody who was catty corner from me to my right. So forward and ahead of me to my right. It it was, it was a smaller person and they were, They couldn't hold up their weapon. And I get it. They were tired. So the person to their right, their immediate right, scooched in and like closed the gap between them and started using their weapon to help hold up that person's weapon. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Don't do that. This is not like a a movie with a happy ending. You are not helping this person out at all. As a matter of fact, you're making it worse for them. But no, no, they were sitting there trying to get all like officer and gentleman movie thing. If you haven't seen that movie, well, go look it up. It was a beautiful moment, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I was like, what are you doing? And then somebody to that person's left squeezed in and started holding up the weapon with the other side. So all of a sudden there's a real magical moment and people are like going, oh, we've got to help them. And I'm like, son of a. Bitch! If you people just oh, fuck! I don't know what I was thinking. I just thought it was stupid and foolish. And I'm just was just I was 19 years old and clearly, clearly, really grumpy. Of course, I was grumpy. I was outside. I but I was exhausted. My knuckles were all busted up. This M1 rifle was like just, I hated it. Everything hurt. My thighs hurt. My shoulders hurt. My arms hurt. My knees hurt. I had sand in places that I didn't want. I had sand in my underwear. How the hell does that happen? So anyway, after we get our ass beat for a while and we're all covered in sand, we go back to the squad bay. I don't remember what we did or how we kept all the sand from getting everywhere, but I don't feel like it was a major problem, all the sand and stuff. But anyway, it wasn't too long after um, this that I got into some serious trouble. And uh, I'll talk about that in the, probably the next episode or two. Anyway, so my point is, is that doing the manual of arms in Coast Guard boot camp or pretty, almost any boot camp, really, the, I, I don't know what the reason is for it now. I mean, other than drills and cranking, ass beatings and for like ceremonies and stuff. Because like you got to admit, when you see people flipping around those weapons, it does look cool. It does. The honor guard guys, no matter what military branch, looks amazing. Though I will admit, watching the Marine Corps honor guard dudes flip that shit around, that is impressive. Like, I, I have to admit. Uh, so props to the Marines for being able to do something like that. That's that's serious business. I mean, other than that, I mean, the this, the, the whole manual of iron things just, I, it belongs in history. And I, 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 I get it. You know, the military is rooted in history and stuff like that. Speaking of history, one of the cool things about the Coast Guard is that its history goes back as far as 1790, back when Alexander Hamilton, the first secretary of the treasury, came up with the idea to form the Revenue Cutter Service. It was needed because, well, they needed to stop smuggling and piracy and also to use it to collect the tariffs that were um, not being paid by the smugglers and the pirates. They created the Revenue Cutter Service in order to uh, basically be a big tax collector. It was a bunch of years later, 1915, I think it was, President Woodrow Wilson merged the Revenue Cutter Service with the U.S. Life Saving Service. And also in 1915, he signed into law the act that created the United States Coast Guard. So he went from being a big tax collector to a life-saving service. In 1942, the Bureau of Marine Inspection and Navigation was transferred to the U.S. Coast Guard, which, okay, that kind of makes sense because a whole bunch of years later, in 1967, they moved the U.S. Coast Guard from the Department of Treasury over to the Department of Transportation, which is where it was when yours truly was in the Coast Guard. And then after 2001, 2003, I think, actually, um, The U.S. Coast Guard was moved from the Department of Transportation over to the Department of Homeland Security, which is where it is today. And for those of you out there who say the Coast Guard is not a branch of the military, you'd be wrong. As a matter of fact, in the U.S. Code Title 10, in some section, subsection thingy, the armed forces is actually defined as the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and United States Coast Guard. So all you haters out there, you can go suck it. You've been listening to Gonzo, the Coast Guard years, written and produced by Tom Gonzalez, and I'm Nicholas Gonzalez, the voice guy. Join us Monday for another episode of Gonzo, the Coast Guard years.